Shalom, this is Rabbi David Tokajer of Congregation Maim Chaim, the Eastern Shores Messianic Synagogue in Daphne, Alabama. This is a very special time of year on the Jewish calendar, as we are now full swing into the High Holy Days. I pray that these messages from our High Holy Days and Shabbat Shuvah services are a blessing to you, and our Maim Chaim Mishpucha want to wish you Lashana Tova. Avrachamim, Father of mercies, we worship you, thank you, and adore you for this morning, for this opportunity to gather together in Mishpah's uh, Mishpah's family and community to worship you, to receive from you, and to meet with you. Father, I pray that as we open your word today, that you will speak boldly into our hearts and our lives, that it be your word heard and received. Father, I pray that you use me as a vessel for your blessing. Let nothing of me be involved except that which you have ordained for this purpose. B'shem Yeshua In the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, we pray, and everyone says, Amen. This week, um, we are celebrating the Feast of Sukkot. Um, Sukkot is a, um, a fun feast in general because you get to camp out, you stay, you build um, a shanty, in essence, and uh, you're supposed to stay in the, the sukkah or at least eat in the sukkah and study and pray in the sukkah. And, um, and, and it's this mindset of trying to, in essence, live in this temporary dwelling place uh, as a reminder of what our people went through in the wilderness and, uh, and, and a number of other things. And it's a really fun uh, festival for a number of reasons, one of which being because God commanded that it be fun. Um, uh, as a matter of fact, Shavuot, uh, sorry, Sukkot is one of the feasts, as I said, the Shalosh Regalim, the pilgrimage feast in which we were commanded to go to the temple or the tabernacle when it stood, the temple when it stood, to uh, make offerings, to appear before the Lord um, uh, where his presence dwelled. And one of the things he commands is that we are to take either offerings with us or if we have too far to go, we sell off the stuff we saved for God and we take the money that we got and we take that with us and we use that to buy all of the things that we need to have a good time in the presence of the Lord. Um, and, uh, and I'll let you take that as far as you want. I can tell you that the Torah says, including strong liquor, like it or leave it, it's the word of God, I'm not going to argue. He seems to know what he's doing, I'm going to stay out of the way. But, uh, but no, the, the realities are that God gives us some uh, very uh, intentional commandments that we are to have fun during Sukkot. Um, and I think, I think in the world we live in today, especially if you work for a living um, or if you've, you know, I don't know, ever turned on the TV or uh, seen or heard the news or driven behind anyone, um, being forced to be happy and have a good time is, is somewhat problematic uh, from time to time. It becomes complicated, it becomes difficult, it becomes more of a chore than it is something that we're excited about. But nonetheless, this is something that God has ordained for this time period. If you have your scriptures, open up to Numbers chapter 29, beginning with verse 12. It says, on the 15th day of the seventh month, you are to have a sacred assembly, you're not to do any work, and you are to celebrate the feast to Adonai for seven days. Then we go forward to Numbers, uh, or we go backwards, rather, Numbers uh, chapter 28, uh, verse 16. It says, um, on the 14th day of the first month of Adonai's Passover, on the 15th day, there is to be a feast for seven days. Matzot will be eaten. You are to hold a sacred assembly on the first day. You are not to do any laborious work. So we notice with the first of the Shiloh's Regalim, which is Pesach, that there's no command to celebrate. There's no command to rejoice. It's commanded that it is a solemn occasion of remembrance. 
Um, then we move forward, or a sacred occasion of remembrance. So we move forward to verse 26, Shavuot. says, on the day of first fruits, when you offer to Adonai a new grain offering during the Feast of Weeks, you were to have a sacred assembly. You were to do no laborious work. Again, it's a sacred assembly. We are not commanded to have fun. We are not commanded to rejoice. It doesn't mean we can't, but it's not a command. But then we roll to uh, verse 1 of, uh, I'm sorry, we roll to verse uh, 12 of uh, chapter 29. It says, on the 15th day of the seventh month, you are to have a sacred assembly. You are not to do any of your work, and you are to celebrate the feast to Adonai for seven days. So we notice here, even thinking of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, both of those are sacred, solemn assemblies. They are not commanded to celebrate, to have a good time, to rejoice. Doesn't mean we can't, but it is important to note that we are commanded to do so here in Numbers. Um, and as we look at it, uh, what we see is that I think God is giving us this, this time period to rejoice, to have simcha, to have joy, because of the fact that, that he knows we live as humans in a world where that does become rather complicated sometimes. Um, I, don't know, I don't know how your week's been. Um, for, for me, uh, the last three weeks with Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and Sukkot, we have, uh, I think it's close to eight extra services that we do on top of our regular Shabbat services. So this period, I'm pretty much wiped by the end of Sukkot. As a matter of fact, Danielle and the kids and I are vanishing uh, Tuesday morning, and we come back Friday morning so we can be here for service Saturday. We're just vanishing to get away and try and reset and, and recalculate our brains so that we can function again because it's just so hectic, so busy, nonstop moving. After Yom Kippur, which was on a Tuesday night and Wednesday, that Thursday morning, I, the, our trash normally runs. I forgot to take the trash to the curb because it didn't feel like a Thursday. It felt like a Sunday. Um, this week, my kids, our kids are homeschooled, and they're part of this homeschool co-op. And uh, they have classes on Friday mornings for this co-op. And as we're preparing for, for them to go to co-op yesterday, uh, one after the other after the other, families left and right that are in the co-op are getting sick with a, a stomach bug or the flu or uh, some sort of sinus issue or whatever. I mean, just one after another after another. Uh, it seemed like half of the co-op was missing yesterday uh, when the kids went. Um, and it just seemed like it was going to continue to build upon that. Uh, yesterday, I go to the gym. Uh, yesterday morning on my way home, uh, I ride up and down 64 going to the gym and coming home. On the way home, uh, I happen to, out my peripheral, notice that it looks like part of the sukkah is a little messed up. I'm like, okay, well, I'll go check it out in a little bit. I mean, it was windy as all get out yesterday. I was like, all right, I'll go check it out in a little bit. So I go home. Danielle leaves to go to the co-op, and she sends me a text and says, hey, it looks like a lot of the sukkah is down. This, you need to go check it out. And, uh, and I was like, all right, so we, we go to co-op, and we get, while we're there, I get a text, I think, from Chris. Uh, and Chris says, uh, Rabbi, the sukkah is knocked over. And I went, all right, well, I'll be out there in a little bit, in a couple hours to come out and, uh, and try and fix it. He goes, no, no, Rabbi, there's no fixing it. <laughs> he said, it's busted up. It is not repairable. I was like, all right, well, I'll be out there in a little bit to look at it, and we'll see what we can do. So I come out, and sure enough, I mean, the three quarters of the things laying on the ground, it's... Uh, pipe is all cracked, everything's messed up, what have you, and we're like, well, that stinks because, you know, that was our sukkah. We like to have oneg under there. We like to celebrate under there. Last night, uh, our plan was to have Arab Shabbat dinner in the sukkah with the lights on and everything, and, uh, and we're like, well, I guess that kind of throws a wrench in that plan. That makes things a little more complicated, um, and then we come out to set up tents, and John Zergod and, uh, and Chris and, uh, and Ryan and I think somebody else was helping, uh, Donna was helping, and they went and took off all of the broken parts and got it out the way, and then they 
kind of just took the walls and stood them back up and, and basically used rope and, and, and string and all to, to put enough tension to hold it up so that we could makeshift a sukkah for the rest of, of Sukkot for the last couple of days. So we, last night, we still were able to eat in what was remaining of our sukkah uh, for Arab Shabbat, and then today we'll be able to have Oneg out there and, and all this. Uh, but as we roll up on Sukkot or on this part of Sukkot, our camp out, I was like, man, how are we supposed to have a good time? How are we supposed to be happy and excited when it, our sukkah just fell over? Kind of one of the main integral focuses of Sukkot is laying on the ground, busted and in shambles. Um, uh, and so we were like, I, I was like, I hope this isn't a foreshadowing of what's going to happen this weekend, because uh, that would stink. But as things kept going, uh, we started setting up, and finally I was like, you know what, just forget it. We're going to have a good time anyways. We're going to camp out. We're going to have community. We're going to, to worship together. We're going to have fun, um, and we're just going to let God do what God does, and we're going to get out of the way with our self-pity and doubt and, and, and anger and what have you, and, and that's what we did. We had a phenomenal time last night. Um, looking at the weather leading up to this weekend, uh, early this week they were saying there was supposed to be like a 40 or 50% chance of, of rain and storms yesterday. Um, it was supposed to be higher temps uh, in the, the mid or, or upper 80s and what have you. And just out of nowhere, the weather broke. Thursday it was in the mid 80s and it was hot and sweaty and muggy and not fun. Yesterday it was a high in the early 70s. Last night, it was a low in the late 40s, um, but the weather broke at just the right time, and if you look at the weather for this week, the, the reports for this week, it's going to be 70s for the high and 40s or 50s for the low, Friday, night, uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, it starts to climb again, Tuesday, it's back up to the 80s again, and we look at it and went, well, if that's not God doing something, you know, we had this, this camp out planned, and we were wanting to do it. Uh, for his glory as a community, and the weather broke just right. And so as I was preparing for the message today, the thing that kept coming to my heart is one of the traditional uh, phrases that we use in reference to Sukkot, which is that it is a zaman uh, samchatzenu. Uh, it is a, a time of rejoicing, a time of joy, a time of gladness, because we're commanded, uh, and in one of the passages dealing with Sukkot, we're actually commanded twice to rejoice, to have joy, and the word, the root word, smech, uh, is the the word there, the, the, the Hebrew word for joy, for gladness, for happiness, we're supposed to rejoice on Sukkot. And if you look at the world around us, that becomes more and more complicated. This was a minor thing, dealing with the sukkah being blown over and all. This was a minor thing. But I, I don't know about the rest of you. I made the mistake of watching all three presidential debates. Um, uh, and, and I say it's a mistake afterward because they were basically the, the most useless waste of oxygen I've ever seen. Because there was literally nothing of value said from, I, I mean, we have the worst possible candidates across the board. Um, and and I, I look at things and I go, this is going to be a rough couple of years coming up. But then I think back and I go, but at the same time, Messiah is coming back. It's really hard to get upset about the stupid earthly stuff when we know Messiah is coming back, right? And one of the beauties of Sukkot is that Sukkot, the, the fall feast in particular, all deal with the second coming of Messiah. They're all, all of the Moadim, all of the appointed days of Adonai are prophetic 
uh, in relevance to the, the, the appearance of Messiah, the first coming of the spring feast, the second coming with the fall feast. But Sukkot in particular, Sukkot is my favorite in terms of, of dealing with Messiah because uh, I believe that Sukkot's got uh, kind of straddles the line. It is both first coming and second coming. I believe that Yeshua would have been born during Sukkot, uh, the, the, the Feast of Tabernacles. Um, I believe John 1 gives hints to that and a few other places. But I believe that Yeshua would have been born during Sukkot. So there's the first coming kind of notion to it, prophetic reality to it. And then there's the second coming in Exodus chapter 23. Do you know what the Feast of Sukkot is called. It's called the Feast of the Ingathering. The sukkah is built in a way, a way that it's to remind us of a chuppah, of a, a wedding canopy, of the, the, the covering, the kippurah that's over the, the marriage couple, the wedding couple. Um, as we celebrate Sukkot, we're celebrating it, remembering the, the temporary dwelling place for the presence of God, as well as the temporary dwelling places we lived in for 40 years in the wilderness. As we're celebrating Sukkot, we're thanking God for his provision, for providing for us throughout the wilderness. Somebody was talking this morning that they were trying to wrap their heads around how things like the, even their shoes didn't wear out, right? You know, they walked for 40 years in the wilderness. Even their shoes didn't wear out. Uh, and as she said, her daughter asked her, well, did their shoes grow with them? Like as they, you know, little kids for 40 years, did the shoe keep growing as their foot grew? Um, but, but God just kept providing and providing and providing. And I look at the world around us and, and things appear to be in shambles and becoming even worse very rapidly. But at the same time, God is still providing. God is still on the throne. God is still doing something that I can yet to wrap my head around, but am excited to see what's going on. Then we come to Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Booths, the Feast of the Ingathering, a feast that deals prophetically with the Messianic era, with the, the return of Messiah, with him sitting on the throne, with us being in the kingdom of Messiah, but more directly, it connects to the wedding feast of the Lamb. And I don't know about you, but as I look around and I see all this stuff going on, I get excited. I know a lot of people, I've had arguments, I told some of our folks last night around the fire, um, I've had arguments with believers who want to gripe and complain because all these really bad things are happening and, uh, and they say, you know, we need to pray that Messiah returns soon so that our lives get better. And then on the other side of the conversation, they go, and we need to pray against all these bad things that are happening. But we can't have it both ways. We either want him to return or we want all the bad things that have to happen first to stop because it was God that said they had to happen. And God doesn't change his mind. He doesn't alter his plans. He doesn't shift things around to make us comfortable. And so I believe in perfect faith that Messiah is coming back. And as such, as I look at things around me, I get excited because with every little thing, wars and rumors of wars, natural disasters, not that I get excited about natural disasters or wars uh, for that matter, but as I see all the things, these things happening, I think to... Scriptures like God saying that he appoints rulers and authorities for his purposes. I think to the reality that his purposes are the ushering of the return of Messiah. I think to the reality that there will be a day in the future in which Mashiach will descend upon the Mount of Olives. The Mount will split and he will usher into the, the temple. He will blast the, the gate open, the gate that, that the, the, the Muslims decided they were going to block in because no good Muslim, and they're speaking of, of Yeshua and their conversation here, but no good Muslim would walk through a Muslim cemetery and, no, and, and trample it and destroy it. No good Muslim will, will blow this wall down, so it's clear that he's not really the Messiah. He's just a prophet. Lo and behold, they're actually making it possible for him to fulfill prophecy about him because the gate had to be closed up for him to bust it open, as prophecy says. Poor planning on their part, great planning on God's part. Um, but as I look at all this stuff, I think Messiah is coming. 
Likely Messiah is coming soon. And although I, on a human level, have some trepidation of what is going on in the world around us and the, the realization of the implications that can have for our lives here, um, I frankly don't care. Because trepidation or not, I'm excited to see my Messiah return. I'm excited to be a part of that wedding feast of the Lamb. See, in Psalm uh, 84, the, the beauty of this, we, we say this every week in our service, the idea of being joyful, of being happy, of rejoicing in the presence of the Lord is not something that is alienated only to Sukkot, but instead it is something that God expects of us on a regular basis. In Psalm 84, verse 2, he says, How lovely are your tabernacles, Adonai Zevaot. Moving to verse 5, Blessed are they who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Selah. Blessed are those dwelling in your house. They are ever praising you. We are ever rejoicing in the presence of the Lord. Why? Because we are in his house. This becomes an even greater concept for us as believers because although there is no temple standing today in Jerusalem, although there is no active priesthood today in Jerusalem, the reality is, is that as believers, the presence of God now resides upon our heart. We are that temporary dwelling place for his presence. And so we are ever in his house. And thus we must ever be praising him and we must ever be rejoicing in the presence of our Lord. We go forward to uh, John, or I'm sorry, 1 Peter verse 4, uh, chapter 4, verse 12. So, loved ones, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal taking place among you to test you as though some, something strange were happening to you. Instead, rejoice insofar as you share in the sufferings of Messiah, so that at the revelation of his glory, you may also rejoice and be glad. Rejoice now while things are miserable, so that when things are grand, we have something to rejoice about. If you are insulted for the name of Messiah, you are fortunate, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. For let none of, the, of you suffer as a murderer or thief or evildoer as a troublemaker, but if anyone suffers for following Messiah, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in his name. Rejoice even in the suffering. Rejoice not just in the celebration, not just in the, the reality of Sukkot, but rejoice even in the suffering. Some of us in this room are dealing with suffering right now. Some of us in this room are trying to figure out how to live life considering all of the weight of everything going on around us. Whether it's family problems or it's, it's issues at work, health issues. Some of us in this room are dealing with problems right now. And I believe what God is reminding us of during this Sukkot in the midst of everything else going on is that we are still to rejoice even while suffering. Revelation 19, verse 6. When I heard something like the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of a rushing waters, or like the rumbling of powerful thunder, saying, Hallelujah, for Adonai, Eloheds of old reigns, let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to him. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. She was given fine linen to wear, bright and clean. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the Kedoshim of the holy ones. Then the angel tells me, write how fortunate are those who have been invited to the wedding banquet of the Lamb. He also tells me, these are the true words of God. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. We are waiting for that wedding feast of the Lamb. I believe we will experience it during some future Sukkot. And that alone gives us enough reason to rejoice during Sukkot. 
not just because of what God did for us coming out of Egypt, not just because of what God did for us in the wilderness, not just because of the fact that God gave us Sukkot, that no matter how great our lives get, no matter how wealthy or well-to-do we become, no matter how wonderful our lives are here on earth, we always have every year an annual reminder of where we came from so that we're constantly humble in the presence of the Lord. But we are also to rejoice because we know in a future Sukkot, as we celebrate Sukkot here and now on this present earth, in this present day, we are celebrating it with the hope and rejoicing in that hope of what's to come in the wedding feast of the Lamb during that future Sukkot. We go backwards to Zechariah 14, verse 6. In that day, there will be no light, cold, or frost. It will be a day known only to Adonai, neither day nor night. Even in the evening time, there will be light. Moreover, in that day, living waters will flow from Jerusalem, half toward the eastern sea and half toward the western sea, both in the summer and in the winter. Adonai will be a king over all the earth. In that day, Adonai will be Echad and his name Echad. Adonai will be one and his name one. That's the closing lines of the... the uh, my mind just went completely blank on me. Uh, closing lines of the Elenu, uh, one of the most central prayers outside of the Amidah in Judaism. Um, verse 16 of Zechariah 14. Then all the survivors from all the nations that attacked Jerusalem will go up from year to year to worship the king Adonai Tzavot and celebrate Sukkot. Furthermore, if any of the nations on the earth do not go up to Jerusalem to worship the king Adonai Zavot, they will have no rain. If the Egyptians do not go up and celebrate, they will have no rain. Instead, there will be the plague that Adonai will inflict on the nations that do not go up to celebrate Sukkot. This will be the punishment of Egypt and the punishment of all the nations that do not go up to celebrate Sukkot. I don't know about you. The way I look at Scripture, if God said something was eternal in the Torah... And he says it's something that's going to be eternal in the Elam Haba. I'm pretty comfortable saying it's probably eternal in the Elam Hase as well, the world that is. I'm pretty comfortable saying if God intends for us to celebrate Sukkot in the future, he never intended us for us to stop celebrating Sukkot now. We were commanded these Moedim, these appointed days, we were commanded to celebrate them, not just for what they are in terms of sacrifice in the tabernacle or temple, not just for what the priesthood had to do, not just for us bringing offerings, but we were commanded to observe them, to celebrate them, to honor them as a memorial of what has happened and what will happen. We must be in constant rehearsal year after year. Who's ever been to a wedding? Who's ever been in a wedding? Who's ever been to the wedding rehearsal dinner? Which is then predicated by the wedding rehearsal. If we take weddings here on earth so, so, so serious that we have rehearsals so that people know where they're supposed to go, when they're supposed to go, and why they're supposed to go, I mean, they still ignore it and mess things up. But if we have those rehearsals, why do we ignore the fact that God gave us rehearsals for what he's doing as well? Sukkot is a rehearsal for the wedding feast of the Lamb. God gave us this time and he commanded us to rejoice not because of what it meant 3,500 years ago, not because of what it meant 2,000 years ago, but because of what it means in the future. We're not rejoicing just in God's provision. We're not rejoicing just in God's presence in our midst. We are rejoicing because there will come a time where we will be in his presence and we will be at the wedding feast of the Lamb. So it really doesn't matter to me what's happening around me. It doesn't matter to me how bad things get. 
It wouldn't matter to me if my engine blew up on me on the way to synagogue. I would still get here in order to have fun and to rejoice and to celebrate and what my king has done for my people, all of creation, for Jew and Gentile alike, for all nations to proclaim his name in truth and in salvation. I don't know about you, but that's plenty for me to rejoice. I don't know, uh, sukkah fell, life goes on. As a matter of fact, not only does life go on, but we figured out a way to still use it and lit it up. I mean, that thing was glowing last night, um, not just because of the neat little flashy spotlights, but I mean, the light that was coming, it was unreal. You get a duck a little bit, Jim, you especially have to duck because there's low-lying lines. We don't want anybody getting clothesline, but it's usable. It's functional. It's not perfect. It's not pretty, but it brings back to memory the reality of a sukkah in the first place. I jokingly say they're supposed to be shanties because they're supposed to be temporal. They're not supposed to be something that is to be left up year-round, no questions asked. All the, It's supposed to be something that ultimately could be knocked over. So as I looked at the sukkah yesterday and, and my initial instinct was, you got to be kidding me. Quickly my attitude changed because I realized it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because there's a greater sukkah waiting for me. There's a greater chuppah waiting for me. There is a finalization to this marriage covenant between us, the people of God, and God himself. It began at Sinai at the betrothal ceremony and will end at the future wedding feast of the Lamb. We know not the hour of the return of our groom, not because he doesn't know, but because he's awaiting for his Abba in heaven to tell him when to come back and to gather up his bride for the feast of ingathering that we can gather the wedding feast of the Lamb. I don't know about you, but that's enough for me to rejoice. That's enough for me to celebrate and to be excited, to have simcha uh, 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 joy, excitement. That's enough for me almost to want to dance. I don't really like to dance, but it's enough for me to almost maybe think about perhaps dancing and then ignore that thought. Um, but it's awesome. The realization of what God has given us the realization of these rehearsals that he has set in place so that we are prepared when that time comes. So I want to encourage you today, stay behind. Come hang out with us for the day or as much of it as you can. Come join us to eat oneg under the sukkah. Um, play basketball, play uh, cornhole, whatever it is. Let's have a good time together as a community, as a mishpacha, as a family, as we Rejoice in the future that awaits us in the Alam Haba under that greater sukkah, married to the greatest groom ever imaginable, sitting at the wedding feast of the Lamb with our Messiah. Amen? Avrahamim, Father of mercies, we thank you, God, for being a God who gives us opportunities to rejoice in your presence. Father, we thank you that you have commanded us to rejoice, but we, we more so thank you because you have given us the free will to choose to honor that command, to choose with our own lives to worship and to adore you, to rejoice before you, to give you our all because you have given way more than we ever could in order to draw us back to you. Father, I long in perfect faith for the soon return of Mashiach, I long in perfect faith to see the heavens part and my Messiah return, the Mount of Olives to split, 
and the restoration of His kingdom in its fullness. But Father, even more so I long to be used by You to see as many souls as possibly imaginable added to the number of those invited to this wedding feast of the Lamb. Father, use me, use each individual in the synagogue, use my Chaim, use the Messianic Jewish movement, use the greater body of Messiah to see names and souls added to the wedding list of those at the wedding feast of the Lamb. We give you complete and total control of our lives to use us for the good of your kingdom and your name, B'Shem Yeshua Meshachinu. In the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, we pray, and everyone says, Amen.